Bookins. I'm Gwen. And I'm Jacqueline. Welcome to Talk Bookish to Me. The podcast where friends get together and talk about books. Welcome or welcome back to Talk Bookish to Me. Today is time to dive into another book discussion. This is our third book discussion so far this year. Previously, we've discussed Grown by Tiffany D. Jackson and The Project by Courtney Summers. And later this year, we're going to read and discuss The Final Girls Support Group by Grady Hendricks. Stick around to the end of today's episode and we'll share more details on the next book discussion. And today we're here to discuss... One Last Stop by Casey McQuiston. Casey McQuiston is an American author of romance novels, best known for their New York Times bestselling debut novel, Red, White, and Royal Blue, in which the son of America's first female president falls in love with the Prince of England. They were born and raised in the Deep South, which taught them to love a good story and a great biscuit, and now they live and work in New York City with their dog, Pepper. One Last Stop is a joyful, messy story about falling in the kind of love that breaks the laws of time. It's also about queer communities, past and present, how we find homes in one another, and the things we struggle with now and throughout history. It's very much a romantic comedy. Specifically, it's a queer romantic comedy, and like every queer person's story, it's complicated. One Last Stop is a new adult romance, so the characters are 23 to 27 years old. It features a bit of adult content, including including sex scenes. Before we jump into our ratings and discussion, we wanted to warn you of a few content warnings discussed in the book that we might talk about as well. If any of these are harmful to you or triggering for you, please practice self-care and exit out and tune in again in two weeks when we talk about plus size representation in books. So on page, there is drinking, light drug use, weed, semi-public sex, exploration of depression and anxiety, Memory loss, cognitive issues, familial estrangement, familial death, grief, missing persons, implied PTSD, an off-page past and alluded to, homophobic violence, hate speech, police violence, the AIDS crisis, racism, childhood neglect, arson, historic hate crime resulting in the loss of life. First off, we're going to talk about our star ratings. Um, You want me to go first? Do you want to go first? (laughs) Yes. I, okay. I think I'm changing it because it was really hard for me to rate because I really liked certain parts of it and others not Mm. so much. My initial rating was 3.5, but Mm. maybe three. So between three and 3.5. Okay. I had a feeling. (laughs) Yeah, I had a feeling that that's kind of where you would go with for some reason. Um, I am giving it a one star because I disliked a lot of things in the book. A lot, the, pretty much the whole book didn't work for me, unfortunately. So talking about, cause we don't want this to be just a negative episode with like me focusing on all the things that I didn't like. Um, so a lot of times we will ask like, you know, who would you recommend a book to? Because just because a book doesn't work for somebody doesn't mean that it's not going to work for anybody. It's very much a personal matter, you know? So Gwen, what type of person do you think would you recommend this book to? So if you're a fan of Red, Right, and Royal Blue, I think you would definitely like this one. If you like found family stories, if you're seeking a young adult or new adult female female love story you might like this one i also think that if you like the show pose you'd enjoy this um and if you really liked the book and you haven't watched that show pose um you should check it out interesting yeah i've never heard of that show actually yeah well i'm not gonna check it out so (laughs) (laughs) no it's actually a really good show um it kind of reminded me some of 
of some of the party scenes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it had a it has a lot more historical uh, facts and references around it. Um, and it's not so much like the love story aspect. It follows like a transgender person and kind of like the yeah. It's very interesting. I love that show. Um, I would definitely say people that love like character driven novels specifically quirky characters <laughs> that's such a pet peeve of mine I don't know why I just dislike quirky characters so much it's so eye-rolling to me so if, if you do like quirky characters like this is the novel for you there are tons of of them in there um also there is a fair amount of smut in my opinion like there's pretty graphic like sex scenes which I am not a fan of but some people love that so you would probably really like that there was um some history involved so if you like history in your books uh if you like female female romances obviously that's what this is also if you previously have liked paranormal romance I think that you would kind of like this as well so maybe if you've read like Layla by Colleen Hoover and you just like loved that weird concept you know if you're not a realistic reader let me just throw that out right now (laughs) (laughs) um then you would like this book because this is not a book for someone that like needs things to make sense you know that's not who this book is for so have you actually read red white and royal blue I did when okay. I read How does it, it compare to this? Um, well, when I read that book, um, I rated it five stars, but that was back when I was giving everything five stars. <laughs> and I do remember liking the relationship part of that story. That was a male-male romance story. Um, but the political part, not so much. That was actually a big chunk of the story. So okay. realistically, looking back, it's probably the same. And yeah. I want to say, I'll just say right up front, even though I am going to talk about it a little bit further into the episode, it was almost flipped. And Red, Right, and Royal Blue loved the romance, hated the other stuff. Mm-hmm. In One Last Stop, hated the romance, loved the other stuff. So it was mm-hmm. kind of like flip-flop for me. So I was wondering, I, I don't think you've read it, right? Nope. Yeah, and I don't know if this author is going to be on my radar moving forward. What do you think? I don't think that I would read more by this author. I mean, not because I have anything against Casey McQuiston. It's just the writing style was very hard for me. Um, And then also, because I haven't read Red, White, and Royal Blue, but like hearing other people talk about it, like I definitely don't like political things in my books. Like when dystopians turn into that. I immediately don't like that. So I just really think that the two books that they've written, I I just don't think that they're for me. So I'm not gonna, I don't like reading books that I know definitely wouldn't be for me because I do feel bad rating them low when like, you know, it's a me problem. It's not necessarily a book problem. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think I went into this one thinking that I was really gonna like it just because I, at the time I had such, you know, I remembered loving Red, Right, and Royal Blue. But then after this one, I was like, why did I love that one so much and not this one? And then I was like, oh, yeah, I was just kind of giving everything five stars. And I do remember, you know, not liking the political. And it doesn't have to be like the political views aligned with mine or not aligned with mine or anything. I just don't like reading about it in books. Yeah. So um, because I always feel like the authors kind of unintentionally or maybe intentionally, I don't know, forcing their views and thoughts on me like even if our thoughts align I like getting my own information as far as like Mm -hmm. political things are concerned so I just always feel like 
political stuff in books is just so boring to yeah. me. I'm like, I mean, this I, is we have to me keep on top of it enough on our own. So I definitely get pulled into the hype of a book. And I'm sure people are going to be hyping Casey McQuiston's books forever, especially since they're writing queer rom-coms with great premises and beautiful book covers. But I'm not so sure that I'm actually going to be interested, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll say this. One last stop, even though the characters are in their 20s and it's marketed as a new adult book, it felt very young adult to me. There were some sex scenes, and you said that they were very graphic, but honestly, to me, I was like, they were the tamest sex scenes I've ever read. It was almost like non-sex sex scenes, mm. and I was like, I, I would almost rather it just been fade to black, because that's what it felt like to me, mm-hmm. and her next project... Um, is set in a high school. So to me, that's definitely going to be a young adult book. So I'm wondering if it's going to read even younger. Unless, I mean, unless it's following the teachers or something like that. I mean, I have no idea. But so yeah, I don't, unfortunately, like I want to support the author because I think that they are writing for a certain demographic. And I think that's wonderful. It's needed, yeah. It's definitely needed, but I just don't think it's for me. Yeah, Um. well, so I wanted to talk about the, the sex scene you were referencing I wonder if it's because I was also listening to the audiobook I had the audiobook from NetGalley and I wanted to mention this like later on but oh my gosh (laughs) I don't know if I've 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 never listened to an audiobook that had sex scenes but like (laughs) the narrator was really getting into it and like it was not fun to listen to like I'm just gonna say like I mean I'm talking like moaning gasping (laughs) okay so I don't know. Maybe that's okay. why, like, I was more like, oh, my gosh, this is really, like, graphic. Like, this is okay. weird. Yeah, obviously that wasn't in the book. I mean, there was, like, not yeah. mooning and gasping in the book. But also, like, thinking about having sex on, like, a New York train. subway yeah. train. Yeah. That's a no for me. <laughs> yeah. So in an author interview, McQuiston did allude to their next project as another queer rom-com. It has an ensemble vibe and it's set at a conservative religious high school in the deep south. So again, like I said, that doesn't really sound like a book for me because I don't read a lot of young adult. Mm-hmm. And since I haven't really vibed with her other two, as much um i will recommend these books i will recommend red right and royal blue and i will recommend one last stop to like a specific reader but like if you don't like uh young adult like i just don't think this is for you and it depends Mm -hmm. like what you like in your books like if you like quirky characters this is definitely full of them but if you don't avoid this book at all costs so I think I will still recommend the books to people it just depends like who the reader is so we'd like to warn you in case you're still listening and haven't read the book that we're going to get into the discussion portion which will contain spoilers so again if you were just here for the non-spoiler portion thank you so much it's time for you to tune out and come back and finish listening once you have finished reading it before jumping into our typical line of questioning we thought it would be fun to try and answer the questions that McQuiston recommended so did you learn anything that you didn't already know about the 1970s from this book if so what was it i was expecting much more queer history to be honest um there were some things mentioned but i felt that the events touched on were pretty common knowledge for someone in my age demographic and this is something that i talked to a friend about 
Um, she and I are both this about the same age. Um, we're in our 40s. So for us, these things, we grew up with this. This this happened right like when we were born. So it was in the news. Um, so like I said, I was born in 1979. And even though I was young, I remember the AIDS epidemic and things like that very clearly. So I wouldn't say that I personally learned anything new. No. But again, this book is marketed to people in their mid-20s and mm-hmm. maybe even like young adults and stuff. So I don't think that they will know like that much stuff or be as closely related to it as I am. I agree that like with it having the the younger age group, like I don't think that they're going to know anything. I, I actually didn't know about any of those events because that was definitely before my time. I also was homeschooled, so I feel like right. even if I – I feel like I still wouldn't have learned about it. Um, so I actually – that's one thing that I wrote down as something that I did enjoy about the book. And I wish that – okay, so like you said that you thought that there was going to be more. Mm-hmm. I actually – going into the book, I didn't know that it was going to have that element, but that was an element that I actually did enjoy, and I wish that there would have been more of. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that like – it's not the book trying to, you know, educate me or whatever. Right. But I still, I think that I do enjoy that, like, knowledge of learning something from a book, which is why I feel like I kind of branch out to, like, memoirs. I'd be like, mm, I should read my memoir about this, you know, right. learn about it. Um, but, yeah, I actually did like that element a lot. That was one thing that I enjoyed. Um, I just wish that there would have been more of it or more description of it or you know, I don't know. Yeah, we did share on our Instagram some LGBTQ plus book recommendations. We did a whole bunch of books that are releasing this month in June. So if you're looking for something to celebrate pride with and you're looking for a fiction book, there's a whole bunch of books listed there. Also, I shared a whole bunch of books to build your knowledge, nonfiction books, people, you know, that are in the LGBT community, um, things that you can get more history based information from. So check that out on our Instagram if you haven't already. This is the question that's like actually for the book club is what do you think makes August and Jane a good match for each other? But my question is, did you think August and Jane were a good match? (laughs) This question really highlights why I rated the book so much lower than the average reader, I didn't get the relationship at all. Like, at Mm -hmm. all. I felt Mm -hmm. no connection between the two characters, no chemistry. It was not believable to me. Um, But I will say that when August finally told Jane that she loved her, just for a brief second, I did get emotional because I just, I love love so much, you know? So I did get a little emotional about that part, just how, like, that whole scene happened. Um, So (laughs) I'm not sure why August and Jane are a good match, to be honest. Yeah, I feel like, especially reading this question, I was like, oh, so you're just assuming that everyone thinks that they're a good match (laughs) when, like, in my opinion, yeah, there's nothing that I would be like, oh, yeah, like, they're a good match because of this. I did not see the relationship at all like I yeah I I wasn't really rooting for them I wasn't caring about them I wasn't I don't know there was just they were very flat characters in my opinion I I just didn't have any interest in them at all to me it was obviously it was an initial attraction when she saw Mm -hmm. Jane on the subway train and then after that she started getting to know her through these anecdotal stories and stuff like that Mm-hmm. I think I know more about you than August knows about Jane. Yeah. And 
I'm not in love with you. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I yes, mean, yeah. so for me, I don't know what switched over in her head. I mean, I know August did struggle with like, like do I love her? But I'm like, mm-hmm. even when she came to that realization, I'm like, how did you come to that realization? Because yeah. that it didn't make sense I, to me at all. I kind of felt that way, though, with with every single relationship in the book because August is like newly moved to New York City Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden all of her roommates and housemates and whatever you want to call them like they're all best friends and I was like that's (laughs) not how that works like and especially because in real life like you don't vibe with everybody you know you can clash so much and so I was like wait didn't she just move like how are, how are they now? all besties right now? <laughs> yeah. So I, I feel like all, every single one of the relationships in the book was so insta-lovey. If you had a drag name, like one of the ones in this book, Annie Depressant, Nob Dylan, Mary Poppers, what would it be? So I could not for the life of me come up with something clever. So I took a quiz online. I just typed into Google like... <laughs> drag queen name (laughs) and I took a quiz I don't even remember what the questions were and it gave me grace tension so I was like (laughs) okay I'm gonna rock it that's hilarious yeah Yeah. I I'm just not creative in that at all so I don't even have one (laughs) sorry I didn't take a cool quiz like what (laughs) actually though I can say that name I I feel like it could definitely fit you yeah because I'm like high strung I don't know Okay, so let's get into some of the other things that we usually always talk about in book discussions. So um, characters you liked or disliked in the book. Obviously, I wasn't a fan of August or Jane. August, I thought she was whiny. She was lonely. She was cynical. Mm -hmm. And I find those traits annoying. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Jane seemed too good to be true. Plus, I didn't get their chemistry, like I said before. They were forced together too quickly, and then the twist was revealed. And because there was hardly any relationship development, I wasn't rooting for them. Also, I didn't care for August's mom. Um, She Mm -hmm. just seemed, like, really annoying to me. But literally all of the side characters were my favorite. So, like, Nico, Mila, Wes, all the drag queens, the people she worked with at Billy's Pancake House. I loved all of them. I don't feel like I even know the people, like, on a personal level or individualized. I don't know if it's because I did listen to the majority of this book, but I felt like it was so hard. There were so many characters, and it was so hard to keep up with, like, who was who and, you know, where people were and stuff like that. So I just, in the whole... I just did not get anything out of this book, whether it was like or dislike for the characters. Like the side characters, I didn't dislike any of them. I just felt like I didn't get to know them on a personal basis. Whereas like, I'm just trying to think of like a different time travel book that I've read, like Una Out of Order. I felt like those side characters, there weren't that many and you saw them pop up very many times and I got to know them very much and I really, really loved them. So I just felt like, there was too much going on in this book for yeah, me to... Yeah, I think if they would have concentrated on, like, just her roommates or just mm-hmm. her co-workers or just the drag queens, but when you have, like, the drag queens and you have her co-workers and then you have her roommates and then, yeah, yeah it, it did get a little confusing, that's for sure. And I also and, think that it might have been... I would have probably enjoyed it more if I didn't go into it looking for the romance and I knew it was going to mm-hmm. be, like, this big, like, ragtag group of... um 
you know, queer roommates, like a queer roommate story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like maybe I would have liked it more knowing that there was going to be like a large cast and maybe I should write little notes so I could always remind myself like yeah. who Wes was, who Wes was connected to and, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, I, it actually makes me wonder if like if new romance novels or rom-com novels are taking this new direction of less romance and more like friend and character dynamic because I felt that same way with Just Last Night by uh, Varee McFarlane. It felt so much like this book where it was like, it was just all these quirky people trying to be best friends, talking about literally nothing, which I... That was a big pet peeve in this book. I felt like all the side care, like everyone was just always talking and talking, but about nothing, literally nothing. And I just don't like, like, if this is like the way that new romance novels are turning, like I cannot pick up these new romance novels because it is just not for me. I would not like that as well. I think that they need to lean more towards the contemporary because that's what that is. That's a contemporary story. That's not a romance story. And you don't have to market it as a romance to get people to pick up your book. You can say it's a contemporary because most contemporaries that I have read do have romance in them, but it's more Mm -hmm. heavily marketed as the contemporary story of this person who may or may not fall in love. And if it would have been marketed that way... I feel like maybe I wouldn't have been as interested, Mm -hmm. but I would have known that going in and then maybe, you know, my rating would have been higher if I did pick it up knowing that it was like a side of romance. So talking about like the setting, the plot and pacing, the writing style, let's talk about all those three things because they kind of go hand in hand. So I did like the setting of New York a lot. Um, McQuiston did a great job of making the city come alive and it felt authentic. I have been to New York, not New York City. Um, I've always wanted to go. And then after reading this, I was like, I'm about to pack my bags in, get on a train and go up there. I mean, it sounded really awesome to me. Um, As far as the plot and the pacing, like I said, I went into this book for the female, female romance And it did have that, but those were my least favorite parts. So we have August, the girl who moves to the city in search of a place as lonely and cynical as she is. Instead, she finds this ragtag group of queer roommates, a gruff but warm family of co-workers at her waitressing job, and the girl who always seems to be on her subway commute. So this book was 417 pages, and the last 50 pages definitely could have been cut out. Someone did ask um, on our Instagram, I told people to send in questions and they said, did you think it was too long? My answer, absolutely yes. It was like 200 pages too long. Yes. So the last 50 pages definitely could have been cut out. Um, It was like the book kept going on and on and on and I was just over it. It would drag for large stretches of filler content only to then speed through what could have been important content. Things were slow to develop and adding side plots and tensions didn't really work for me. I know one of the major factors of the plot is the fact that Jane is stuck on the subway, but even that became repetitive. So I knew going in, she was stuck on the subway, but the way it was written, it didn't make it exciting. I wasn't excited to go back and just her talk about how she's stuck on the subway again 
and how August wanted her to be off the subway. Duh. Like, I, I was over it. Um, so, I'm not sure if that could have been done better or not, but I would like to think if you cut down the page count, maybe that would have helped. Maybe it wouldn't have felt as repetitive. I also thought that it was trying to do too much. It was trying to give you the history. It was trying to give you the romance. It was trying to give you new girl comes to city vibes. It was trying to, you know, do all of these things. And again, when you try to do too much in a book, it ends up being too long and trying to tackle too much. And it just all becomes kind of blah to me. Um, so, oh, and I'm not a fan of magical realism-esque um, plots. So Jane being stuck on the subway train and then you mix mix in the missing uncle storyline, like August's missing uncle, that part, plus saving Billy's and the various other plots that took up space within the story. That took away the storyline of Jane and August, which is what yeah. I went into the story for. Yeah, I agree. For me, like the writing, it, it was, yeah, the book was way too long for me, especially listening to the audiobook. I took like a really, really long walk to town one day and I was like, cool. I'm going to like, you know, get a bunch of this audiobook knocked out. I'm doing nothing else except listening, you know, and walking. And oh my gosh, I was like, how am I only at 50%? I thought I was at like 90. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, it's never ending. It mm -hmm. is never ending. Um, and that's bad. Like, that's so bad to think about that when you're like listening or reading a book that you're like, can this be over now? Like, can this end? I also wanted to say that like, there were, I was actually a little uncomfortable with some of the, um, like, major swear words, like, blasphemous swear words. Like, yes, like, I do say swear words, um, but, like, some of the ones that were in the book, I was just a little uncomfortable with, like, the way that they were and where they were coming from, um, and they seemed to happen quite often, and I was not a fan of that. Uh, I don't know. It, I again, maybe it was just because I was listening, like listening to the sex scenes and the moaning, and then listening <laughs> to all the swear words. Like, didn't like that. I do think that it had like some humorous bits, and those did lighten the mood, obviously a little bit. Um, and then I did learn a little bit, like a few things. It was like talking about how they were how they were basically like a family. And um, Miley was talking to Wes and saying that um, her and um, Nico would probably get married one day, but that it would never leave him. Um, and then she said, we'll be weirdly co codependent neighbors. We'll all move into a compound. Nico was born to be a cult leader. <laughs> and I was just like <laughs> laughing so hard. And then how, um, I guess like, one of the characters got really, really drunk at one of the parties and um, I guess they took off their pants or I don't know what it was. I was wearing a shirt, no pants, he says. I'm Winnie the Pooing it. I thought that was funny. <laughs> there, there, there actually aren't that many books that I like laugh at. So when people constantly say that like they love rom-com and the book was so funny or like they laugh so much, I, I mean, it, it, it could even be a book that I enjoy. I just, I just don't get it. I don't know if the humor always goes over my head or what, but there are very, very, very few books that I actually laugh at. Yeah, I wouldn't um, say I laughed out loud, <laughs> that's mm -hmm. for sure, but at least there were those humorous bits thrown in because, like I said, the book was so long, mm -hmm. so long. Yeah, and I, I'm a huge fan of time travel, like, um, 
I wouldn't say magical realism in general. I would say specifically like alternate realities and time travel. And I have read a lot and I have loved a lot. And this is the worst time travel book I've ever read. Yeah, I don't think it was what we were expecting as far as that at all. Yeah, there there was no purpose. There was no explanation. There was no reason why. Like, and I obviously like I know that all of that is made up anyway because time travel is not real. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like in other books they do a lot better of like you actually caring about that aspect and like it kind of making sense or even even in Una out of order like oh, okay of course maybe that doesn't like make total total sense of like why it was out of order but it was like the background of like what did you get out of that knowing that she was going in her life out of order like there was a moral to the story you know right. what I mean I felt like there was no moral to the story for this one right I don't know I'm sorry but Yeah, so it was the worst time travel element I have ever read. And that's something that I thought I was going to like going into it, which is one of the reasons why I picked this up. Now, this was my first female-female romance. And, like, I do want to read more female-female romance Mm -hmm. because I want to see. Because, like, this was kind of a a bad one for me to start with, I feel like. Um, I have read plenty of male-male romances that I've loved. So I need to go and find more female-female romance. Um, and like I said before, some of the things I appreciated were the queer history events, like learning about that. And then also like, I did appreciate that there was a diverse cast of characters. Mm -hmm. I just wish that it was less so I could have focused more on really enjoying that diverse cast. Mm -hmm. You know, I felt like I didn't get to know them well enough. I feel like, um, as far as like diverse casts go, to me, everybody read very white to me and I think it's great when you include things like LGBT and you know things like that I think that's great but to me that's almost not enough diversity and Mm -hmm. one thing I was reading one of my friend's books that they wrote and I really honestly believe that was the first time and it was a middle grade book Mm -hmm. I think it was the first time I ever read a book with a brown-skinned character he was mexican-american and it authentically felt like this person was Mm mexican-american like the culture the language the food the way like everything about that character really came to life and i was like wow i think this is the first time that it actually felt diverse other than plugging in a word saying Mm -hmm. this person is black, this person is brown, this person, you know, is in a wheelchair. Like I want to feel like the character is in a wheelchair. I want to understand their struggle because I'm not in a wheelchair and I know nothing about it. And when I read a character that's in a wheelchair and if it reads just like me, insert Gwen into that spot, that's not diverse to me. Mm -hmm. So, even though there was diversity in here to me, or there was, to me, it did not feel like it. I think that it could have felt more like it if there was, if there weren't all of the characters. Right. I think that that is the right. problem. But I do agree that Jane did not feel Chinese American to me. And right. that's one of the things that I, I wanted more of. Like, I actually wanted more of her Chinese American background and like, like we said, we didn't feel like we got anything from Jane. It would have been cool actually to see like maybe her point of view and maybe then we wouldn't have yes. to 
literally read the same thing over and over and over yeah, again. Yeah, that would have been cool if it flipped back and forth between their perspectives, like mm-hmm. what Jane was actually going through. Um, the only part that it gave me like a little bit was that sesame thing when she ate the peanuts or something like that. And she was like, mm-hmm. oh, this tastes like this candy or, but I was yeah. like, that's literally it. And I was like, yeah. that's not enough for me. And it was like too little, too late. Yeah, I think that w- that's a really good point. I wish it was dual POV. That would have been cool. And it would have focused more on the relationship. And you could have seen how Jane was feeling and how August was feeling about like the budding relationship. And I do think we should talk about um, really quickly. I-, I saw in other people's reviews like them saying this. And I think it's important that we talk about it. But um, there was a certain statement in the book that was made by August that was kind of it was, it was to Jane but August was saying oh um you know nowadays there's there's not that many racist and homophobic people like don't you know just don't even worry about it like compared to the right. 70s but a lot of people were saying um that that was definitely like kind of wrong that was wrong for August to do because she is white and she was kind of like being very tone deaf in right. like you know, being like, oh, you don't have to worry about it. Like, and you know, August, you're white. Like, of course you aren't seeing this or know what, right. what Jane is talking about. Um, and then a lot of people talked about, like, the white girl saving the Asian girl aspect. Right. So I can see both of those being very problematic topics that were For sure. Because, yes, they're both LGBT, you know, Q. Like, they're, they both fall into that. But she doesn't know what it's like to be non-white we don't know what it's like to be non-white. So mm-hmm. to say that racism has gotten better, like we can hope, and I definitely hope that it's gotten better since the 70s, but we still have a long way to go. And for her to yeah. say that, it was very tone deaf. Yeah. Because um, like even when the fact when like Jane was like, oh my gosh, like what do you mean that, you know, two females can like hold hands like in public? And I felt like August was just like, <laughs> Like, you're stupid for even thinking that's a problem. And it's like, um, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, you shouldn't just be laughing off other people's, what would you call that? Like, like worries or anxieties about that, you know? Right. I don't know. I completely agree. Those are both really good points. And I agree with you. Um, so do you have any favorite quotes or passages that stood out to you? I do not. Um, other than, like I said, those little funny moments. Um, and I, I usually have a whole bunch of tabs in my book. I usually have a whole bunch of like dog ears. The only dog ears I have are those couple of scenes that I told you. And then like I was tabbing when they said how old they were because I was like, mm-hmm. is this character not 16? Because I could swear they're 16 or, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, but I did also share on our Instagram there was this one part what um she was talking about those hairy frogs so wes and august are talking she goes wes have you ever heard of a hairy frog it's a kind of frog she tells him he shrugs she swirls a crumpled lime around her drink and continues also known as a wolverine frog or a horror frog they're this weird looking subtropical species that are super defensive of themselves when they feel attacked or threatened they break their bones and their own toes and force fragments of the bones through their skin to use as claws. So I was like, okay, I'm fact checking this. (laughs) So I looked it up and there's this whole like documentary with this like British guy, I think, um, doing like talking about these frogs and there's all of these pictures, like just Google it. I was like, oh, this is freaking me out. And they do look like they have hair. It's really, really weird. But I was like, wow. I mean, it was showing like x-rays, how they do like break their 
like bones and it like comes out and looks like claws. I was like, that's some uh, defense mechanism right there. That is. So that was, crazy. I shared that on Instagram and people were like, what? And I was wow. like, I didn't say it. That's but yeah, crazy. no like quotes, nothing. Like I said, I was having a hard time. It was a lot of dialogue. It didn't have a lot of, didn't have a lot too much there for me personally. Like I said, younger demographic, um, maybe if you are LGBTQ mm-hmm. plus, um, I think maybe you would have pulled more and felt closer related to the writing. So what did you think about the ending and do you have any other final thoughts after that? Okay. <laughs> Way too convenient. (laughs) Way too convenient. So not only does August and her friends find out how and why Jane is trapped, but they figure out a way to untrap her. They throw the party to save Billy's and cause the power surge to free Jane. Jane temporarily disappears, um, and then she does end up turning up in August time. And August's grandmother just happens to leave her $15,000, the perfect amount to save the pancake diner. No. Yeah. No. (laughs) Oh, that's the other thing is that like, isn't August supposed to be a broke college student and trying to work? And and I was like, okay, you're literally spending all of your time not going to work or conveniently getting a job or like, when were you doing your school? Right. And what? and but so then you get this $15,000 and you anonymously donate it to this diner to save yeah. it. Like, I get it. She's like, oh, look at me. I'm a New York queen now. Yeah. No, honey. And I wonder, broke. Like, you what was the, the time money? span for this? Like, did you actually know those people? Like, did you just move a month ago? Like, <laughs> Right. I'm thinking $15,000. Really? Yeah. No. So way too convenient. Um, Mm -hmm. Overall, my favorite parts were the parties. I loved the parties. They seemed like so much fun. I was like, where's my invite? Um, And the queer roommates loved them. And the found family aspects loved that Mm -hmm. as well. But of course, we've been doing this since the beginning. I have a signature cocktail and it's like perfect. I like searched far and wide (laughs) for this cocktail. Um, So we enjoy a good cocktail and we love books. So I made it my mission to match cocktails with books we read and discuss here on the podcast. Today's signature cocktail is, drum roll, (laughs) it's the strawberry white chocolate boozy milkshake. So I thought it was perfect for like the diner vibes and you know how they were always eating those strawberry milkshake Mm Pop-Tarts. So I was like, I got you. So... (laughs) Um, yeah, so I found it on the blog, No Spoon Necessary. It's a delicious blend of ice cream, white chocolate liqueur, strawberry vodka. So I paired this boozy milkshake with one last stop because August works in a diner. Um, and when I go to diners, I love getting milkshakes. And she and Jane love those strawberry milkshake Pop-Tarts. So if you check out our Instagram at Talkbookish Podcast for the full recipe coming soon. In the meantime, the ingredients and directions to make it can be found in the notes of today's show. Thank you for joining us today for our book discussion of One Last Stop by Casey McQuiston. Don't forget the author's website and a link to purchase a copy of the book will be in the details of today's episode along with the signature cocktail. Our next book discussion will be on the final girl support group by Grady Hendrix. It releases July 13th, but our book discussion will be in the fall 
on October 25th. So you have plenty of time to read it before the discussion happens. And of course, we'll be reminding you of the date as the discussion nears. In horror movies, the final girl is the one who's left standing when the credits roll, the one who fought back, defeated the killer, and avenged her friends, the one who emerges bloodied but victorious. But after the sirens fade and the audience moves on, what happens to her? If you'd like to suggest a book for us to discuss or have a topic idea for a future episode, email us at talkbookishpodcast at gmail.com or message us on Instagram at talkbookishpodcast. Don't forget you can leave reviews on Apple Podcasts or using the Anchor app, send us voice messages. We'd love to start incorporating your messages into our episodes. And until next time, happy happy reading! reading.